2021 is finally here. The new year came and went, but it left us with some great bowl games. So let's talk about them. Alrighty, you guys, we are back to talk about these bowl games. And first thing I want to say is that I honestly did not watch the Northwestern versus Auburn game. So I can't really give an analysis of that. The one thing I say can say is good thing for the Big Ten, getting a win with Northwestern. Northwestern had a fantastic defense, and obviously that was proved against Ohio State and again against Auburn. The other game that I will not really talk on much is the collapse of Florida against Oklahoma. Kyle Trask proved me wrong, and on the record right here, I must say that I was completely wrong, that Kyle Trask should not win the Heisman. Granted, the Heisman votes were in before this game. After this performance, it just did not look good on me for saying that he was going to be the Heisman. I think that Oklahoma's rushing was just too much for them, and he just had too many errant throws and threw like three picks, so it's whatever on that game. That was a blowout. I watched most part of it, like probably about the first half, they start piling up points. I'm like, yeah, Florida's going to get their butts kicked. So I am just going to turn this off. I don't want to watch this. The first game that I do want to talk about was yesterday. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Cincinnati versus Georgia. This was a fun game. Obviously, with, with these, I want to say lower tier teams, but teams that aren't, I guess, in the Power Five. Teams that aren't in the Power Five that come up and play in these games are so fun to watch. The one thing that they always, they always come out very hot. They always start very hot, just like Cincinnati did when Cincinnati came out and they had a 21-10 to 10 lead. And after that, collapse happened. They imploded, as they completely said every time. One thing that I saw that happened was that a lineman for Cincinnati, James Hudson, was ejected for targeting. Now, right after that ejection, it seemed like they just fell off a cliff. Granted, you figure one lineman doesn't make a whole big difference. But something just clicked that for Georgia after that that they just couldn't stop them anyway. They couldn't get first downs. They couldn't. They what they did was is a thing that I cannot stand that teams do. They played safe. They controlled the game. They didn't really do much. No big passes. No big runs. Nothing like that happened. They were just playing too safe, and I'm just not fun with that. But I think there was a good call in there by Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle called a fake punt that could give them momentum, they converted it. It was a fantastic call, fantastic run by their their Australian punter. After that, I figured, oh, Desmond Ridders can come out here. He's going to lead them to a touchdown. That'll almost kind of wrap up this game with a little bow. No, they went three and out right after that. There were just a bunch of things leading up to the moment that they just blew it. They completely blew this game. I believe that Cincinnati is with these caliber of teams. Obviously, they proved it. They were up against Georgia, and they almost won the game. Could they have made a case for themselves in the playoffs? Maybe. There's a possibility. Granted, Georgia did lose to Alabama, so that doesn't give them exactly the most credit, but they could still hang around with Georgia and almost beat them. So I give them a little bit of credit for that. There were also more bonehead calls in this game. I love Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle, former Ohio State coach. Granted, he went 6-6 six and six in the one year that he was technically our actual head coach. Still love the dude. He was with us for a while. He moved on to Cincinnati. Of course, Cincinnati is still an Ohio team, sort of right on the border. With 15 seconds left, Luke Fickle caught a timeout as the clock was running. And Georgia didn't have any timeouts. Georgia marching down the field to possibly get a field goal or a touchdown, whatever would have happened. Like I said, Georgia had no timeouts. The clock was running. I don't know what Luke Fickle's thinking. I guess maybe it seemed like his defense was kind of shuffled up a little bit. And he called a timeout. 
and that stopped the game. Since Cincinnati called a timeout, it gave Georgia more momentum. Two plays later, I believe, with 12 seconds left, there was a pass that was down the sidelines that there was a defender and a receiver right next to each other. The receiver could have caught it and the defender could have, caught, could have taken them down right then, but he deflected it. If that defender would have let him catch the ball and tackled him, there would have been no time for Georgia since, again, they had no timeouts. They could have just tackled him. Time would have ran out because I believe there was no time to get back to spike the ball. It was maybe a 10-yard difference that they would have got on their field goal. So if they let him catch that, most likely the time would run out, and Cincinnati win the game by two. They would have won 21-19. to Now what I was really impressed with was the play from JT Daniels. I knew all along that JT Daniels should have been the quarterback for Georgia. I don't know why Georgia had to flip through three different quarterbacks just to finally get to him. He proved that he was meant to be there, that he is a good caliber quarterback. I mean, from that, I would say one of the better top 10-ish quarterbacks in the nation. He did have one interception, but it was kind of an errant throw, so I don't exactly penalize him for that. But on the other side of the ball, Desmond Ritter did play well at times, but again, they just played way too safe, and that cost them the game. Now moving on to the Rose Bowl. This game was, of course, Notre Dame-Alabama, and it went exactly how I pictured it to go. Of course, Alabama won 31-14, but it wasn't as much of a dominance as I thought it would have been. For a point, there was a little bit of dominance. Once Devontae Smith tweaked his back a little bit, they kind of slowed down a little bit. But one thing I want to say about this game is stop comparing Mac Jones to Joe Burrow. Do they play similar games? Sort of. But Joe Burrow is so much better of a player than Mac Jones. I pay attention to things like throwing the ball down the field, throwing it with more zip. Granted, Joe doesn't have the most amount of zip to get it in there. He doesn't have the most throw power, but he can definitely get it done when he needs to. I counted around five times that Mac Jones actually threw the ball downfield. Any other time was a swing pass or the guy was wide open in the end zone. So I, I don't think you can compare these guys. That's all it was. Swing pass, swing pass. Their first touchdown was a swing pass to Devontae Smith. The next touchdown pass, I believe, was a little, little slant across the middle. Granted, you have to have talent to get it in there, but it's not the hardest throw to throw in the world. You show me a back shoulder fade in the end zone, I will give him credit. There was one time that Mac Jones actually threw a very nice pass that I saw one of the touchdowns. He got it through a toe-tapping touchdown. He is a obviously a good player. He was 25 for 30, 297 yards, four touchdowns. But he's carried by Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith has seven catches for 130 yards and three touchdowns. So if you take out his numbers, he's nowhere near the player that they're saying he could be. But nevertheless, they're going to the championship. First play out of the gate. Not even the first play out of the gate. The opening kickoff. Alabama laid the boom and showed Notre Dame, you do not deserve to be here. That initial hit, I'm like, yep, this is exactly what I thought this game was going to be. But then they didn't dominate as much as I figured. I think they sort of played safe after that. They didn't want to hurt anybody. I believe Mac Jones is kind of also carried by the running of Najee Harris. Najee Harris had 15 carries, 125 yards in this. Granted, he didn't have touchdowns, but he led them down drives and got them to where they need to be to score the touchdowns. And his hurdle that he had in that game was ridiculous. I mean, I jumped out of my seat for this hurdle. There's some games I don't jump out of my seat, especially an Alabama game. I never jump out of my seat for a play. But that hurdle was phenomenal. I mean, the, usually you see your hurdles, the guys are falling down for the most part, 
This guy was standing almost straight up. Najee Harris just had so much adrenaline in him that he just jumped a guy. He wasn't no tiny guy either. This is a this is a Notre Dame cornerback. But realistically, the only thing Notre Dame won this game was the coin toss. Straight out the gate, after the first quarter, they were down 14 to nothing, and they didn't look back. Back on Mac Jones, uh, I saw some times he was his his ball got batted down twice. That's two of his five incomplete passes they had batted down. And one of them he actually caught. So technically that was completion. So he would have had six incompletions. Being able to read the arms of a defender is special. It takes a special talent. Granted, like I said, Joe Burrow, he's had it done before. He's caught his pass, but then he ran for a while. He didn't just go straight down like Mac Jones did. Actually, an eight-yard loss Mac Jones had on that play. Being aware of that is a crucial thing that happens to players. But also, speaking of him getting in the pocket, he gets scared. I don't know if anybody ever knows this, but whenever pressure comes around Mac Jones, he gets terrified. He makes good throws. He gets the ball out of bounds. He, he makes good decisions on those, but he just seems like he gets very rattled when something like that happens. When he gets pressure on there, he gets very nervous. So we'll see if Ohio State can get after him, and if they do, Ohio State definitely has a chance. Speaking of Ohio State, moving on to talk about the All-State Sugar Bowl. Number 11. Number 11. Dabo, really? You think this team is the number 11 team in the nation? And they just beat you. They didn't just beat you. They dominated you. Every facet of the game was dominated by Ohio State. I I paid attention to the coin toss again in this game because of the Notre Dame and Alabama game, since Notre Dame only won the coin toss, but Ohio State won a coin toss as well. We're going to talk about Justin Fields last. The one guy we can talk about, Trey Sermon. The guy's for real. He wasn't just a one-hit wonder in that one game against Northwestern. He doesn't go down easy. If you watch him, he's stiff-arming people. One of those stiff-arms was actually him uh, face-masking, which they called. He was getting there. He was rumbling, stumbling, tumbling. He was shoving guys off. He's for real. This is It's sad that this is the only year we can have him because he's a grad transfer, and this is the last year of eligibility. The tight ends in this game played great. They finally decided to utilize them. Jeremy Ruckert and Luke Farrell got open they got plays they jeremy ruckert made a great play leading up to his next touchdown actually his second touchdown i believe he got a big i don't know around 20 something yard gain by catching across the middle and taking it to the right side he rumbled through some players set up next play he got the touchdown over top luke farrell made some great catches in this game he made that great catch that i don't know if justin should have thrown jeremy ruckert or not jeremy ruckert was wide open and luke farrell was covered but luke farrell was able to bring that ball in over the defender, the defensive line edge for Ohio State dominated in this game. And they somewhat rattled Trevor Lawrence to what we haven't saw much of. Just name some guys that had some good games. Jonathan Cooper, Haskell Garrett, Tyreek Smith, Tommy Togiai, Tough Borland, Pete Warner, Justin Hilliard. They all played great. And one thing that I always see with the Ohio State defense is Sean Wade. Sean Wade is a talented player, but he's not an outside corner. He is an inside corner. He's a slot corner. You cannot play him on the outside because exactly what happened, Cornell Powell toasted him on one play. One, Cornell Powell's one touchdown, I believe. He toasted Sean Wade. So if we try to put Sean Wade up against Devontae Smith, or as a possibility that Jalen Waddle can come back for this national championship game, but if they put Sean Wade on him, you have to put them in the slot. Jalen Waddle will most likely play the slot, and you have to put Sean Wade there. If you don't, you're going to get toasted again. Granted, Jalen Waddle is actually faster than Devontae Smith, so it's going to be a scary sight. It's going to be a very scary sight. But the player that everybody's talking about, everybody's buzzing about, 
I wrote down some words about this man. Heart, grit, passion, driven, motivated. Justin Fields played one of the grittiest games I've ever saw in my life. This man, he was already having a pretty good game, but then the slicker targeting to his side and did something to his ribs, did something. I thought it was just going to get the wind knocked out of him, but he was hurting. He was hurting. You could tell him just getting on an exercise bike hurt him. But for him to go out there, miss one play, C.J. Stroud came in for one play, hand the ball to Trey Sermon. Next play, Justin Fields back in there. There was a strike, not just a, like a lofty pass. It was an absolute strike to Chris Olave. Speaking of Chris Olave, we missed him. Great to have Chris Olave back. He's our game changer. He was the guy, second chances. Chris Olave is a special receiver, and he's very special for Ohio State. And he is one of the keys to leading us to a national championship. But the one player that can always get that done is Justin Fields. Everybody was talking about how he was struggling the last couple games, and he did. He definitely struggled the last couple games. That was all silenced after this game, after he took that injury and continued to battle. He, you could tell he was wincing in pain every play, was still able to throw bombs to Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. Granted, he didn't run like he did usually after that, but he was still able to get it done, and he went 22 for 28 with 385 yards and six touchdowns. He did have one pick. That that pick was batted at the line and then picked off, so I don't hold that against him. The combination of Ohio State's running and passing on offense, Clemson had no chance. And if we play like this against Bama, we're going to be national champions. Without a doubt in my mind, Ohio State could definitely win national championship this year, and everybody's going to say, well, he only played seven games. He only played, I guess it would be eight games after that. So Alabama playing 13, us only playing eight. Oh, well. Beat us then. If you don't think we're good enough, beat us. Just like with Clemson beat us, but you didn't. Trevor Lawrence is going to finish his career at Clemson with freshman year national champion, second year losing the national championship to Joe Burrow, to this year losing in the semifinals to Ohio State. He reached the pinnacle, and then he fell from there. But Trevor Lawrence is still a special player. I do like Trevor Lawrence. He is a fantastic game. He doesn't have many holes in his game. He still threw for 400 yards in this game. Granted, a lot of those I thought were just kind of catch-up yards. Now, the stage is set again. Ohio State versus Alabama, national championship. Who gets it done? You guys tell me. Who do you guys think is going to win the national championship? Of course, I'm going to say Ohio State, especially after that game. If they play like that, they're going to win. But you guys let me know what you guys think. Who is going to win the national championship? And that's all I've got for you. Peace.